Hello, my name is Erica Lorenz, and I am honored to be your host for another season of the Adoptee Voyages podcast. Adoptee Voyages serves and supports transracial adoptees with healing conversations that inform and encourage our listeners through the power of shared experience. This season, all episodes focus on adoptees who have decided to explore their first culture. Each Wednesday brings a new story and journey. So find a comfy seat and settle in as we hear this Adoptee's Voyage. Hello, Adoptee Voyages listeners. It's Erica. Welcome back to season two of the Adoptee Voyages podcast. I am super excited that you are here. Welcome to episode one. Uh, Similar to last season, this episode is just going to be me talking rather than a dialogue with another transracial adoptee. The reason for that is I really just want to talk about some of the key reasons we're focusing on engaging with our first culture, which is interchangeable with the word birth culture, which I'll explain in a bit. But yeah, really kind of getting the heartbeat behind not only my story on this topic, but the purpose for this season. So all of you listeners just have a platform and an understanding of what's going on. So while I want to welcome you before I jump into this topic, I do want to just preface real quick. So when I mention first culture, I'm really talking about like our birth culture. Um, A lot of times this is going to happen for international adoptees, similar to my story. So I'm adopted from Peru. I was raised in the United States. The cultures and the communities that I was raised in are very different from one another. But that doesn't mean that it's all adoptee stories. So some adoptees were raised domestically, but again, because they're transracial adoptees, the culture and everything that comes with that, with how they were raised is different than where they maybe were originally from or the family or the culture that they could have been raised in. So I just want to make sure I state that. I will likely be using first culture and birth culture um, interchangeable and just getting that definition out there is really important for you all to understand where we're going with it. Okay, another thing business-wise, before I jump into my own story and my own understanding of my culture and go a little deeper into that, I want to also say that as a transracial adoptee who has decided to engage and explore my first culture, there are transracial adoptees who have chosen not to, and that is 100% okay. Um, I recognize that each adoptee has a different journey and a different story, and honoring and respecting that is really, really important to me. So for anybody listening who is like, well, this isn't my story or the transracial adoptee that I know has not engaged with their first culture or birth culture, please know that's okay. Um, And it's 100% up to the adoptee if that is something that they want to engage with. While for me, in my story, in my journey, and maybe for others, it's been a way of healing, a way of understanding my identity better. That is not something that should ever be forced on adoptee. So 
I also want to say that before we jump into everything, because honoring an adoptee well is really important to me. Thank you for just letting me get all of that business out of the way. Um, And let's go ahead and jump into the idea of exploring our first culture through my lens. So to begin, the understanding that I have of culture is um, the definition I would use would be like the customs, the arts, the social institutions and achievements of a particular nation, people or other social group. And that's just the definition that I'm going with. So just hang with me there. So for me and my experience, like I said, I was adopted from Peru and I was raised in a pretty non-diverse community in Colorado. The cultures definitely are not the same. The smells, the foods, the family buildup, the traditions, the holidays, the social economic class I was maybe even raised in, the institutions, all of that is is different. Um, and so when you have an adoptee, or at least from my perspective, when you have an adoptee who was born into one culture and even for like the smallest amount of time, right? Like as babies, we absorb so much in such a short amount of time. So for me, it was 11 months. Putting me into a new culture, there's going to be ups and downs and and triggers and all of these other things. Now, I'm not saying, please hear me loud and clear. I'm not saying like my my childhood, I just was in a negative spiral. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying because the cultures were different, there probably were things that myself and my mom didn't understand that related to me not being in my my birth country and, and the culture that I was raised in. So there's that. As a youth, I I mean, my mom did her best. And I think you're going to hear that a lot this season of adoptees saying my adoptive parent or parents did their best with the resources that they had to engage me or them with their cultures. And I think that's kind of just where the 90s were. The 90s were a big push for adoption, specifically international adoption. Um, I know international adoption has decreased recently, but yeah, there was this spike. And so in that, there must have been a lot of limited resources that my mom could have gone to. Um, But with the resources that she had, She definitely did the best she could. And so I just want to make sure that is very clearly stated as well. Yeah, I remember growing up, I would go to this uh, dance camp. I grew up and I I loved dancing. I danced up and through, I don't know, 18, 19 years old. But um, we went to like a cultural camp. And so I was able to just kind of learn about like the music and the dancing and different aspects of my birth country, but also like just like Latin America in general. And then I had a sister um, adopted from India, and I remember also going to hers and just feeling really 
proud of the fact that we could have the opportunity to learn about another culture, even from like a super young age. Like there's pictures of us and we're just little, little kids, maybe five, six, if that. But it was really cool because we had that opportunity to be around people that looked like us, that maybe spoke a different language than us, that was from our birth countries. Uh, You got to hear music that you know, if I was raised in Peru or with a Peruvian family, I might have been um, introduced to as a kid and things like that. And so that was one thing I really commend my mom for um, because it was recognizing that she didn't have the knowledge or the background for that, but trusting that there were other people and places that could help me in that journey, even from a young age. The other things we did were, um, I mean, my mom, luckily, which again, is not every adoptee story. She, she was just an open book. I have this big binder of anything from my adoption. And this was obviously when I was a little older, able to read and train my preteen years, but I would go into her closet, pull out that binder and just look at the pictures of Peru that she took. Um, you know, I'd, I'd sit there and try to picture myself on the streets and like, oh, this is what homes in Peru might look like or this is what the weather was like. I was able to ask my mom a bajillion questions about Peru and the times that she visited there. You know, what was it like? What did you eat? What was my family like? What was your experience in Peru, basically, was what I was wanting to know. I wanted to know what it meant to be Peruvian. Um, And the best way I knew how to do that was to ask her through her lens. And so she, I mean, she would tell me anything. She had a journal and she shared that with me. She talked about the different forms of transportation she would take, which, you know, was different than what I was raised in and kind of like the cultural norms of the area I was raised in. Um, Just little things like that where I just was so curious and um, I wanted to know more. I I really took an interest into the Peruvian culture, Peru as a country, the people, the place, all of it. If you want to fast forward, I think that drive and that passion definitely uh, teared off (laughs) in my teenage years. I remember just feeling like a foreigner when it came to anything with a Hispanic or Latina culture background. Um, The best example I have for that was when I was in junior high, or I guess some people call it middle school, but (laughs) where I was raised, it was junior high. And there were there was a group of Hispanic students and they all hung out together. Um, They all spoke Spanish together. I think their families knew each other. They were a community. They were more than friends. They were definitely a family. And being a minority in a school that's predominantly white, I could tell instantly that they were like, this is our family. We're not really accepting outsiders. And this is our comfort zone. This is our safe zone. And whether or not they meant to, you know, they would, they would see me and I'm standing there in my probably super awkward self. Cause right. You're, you're a teenager. And 
I, I looked like them to a degree. I had tanner skin, dark eyes, like thicker eyebrows, darker hair on my arms, curly, kind of messy hair. And so I think from the get go, they, they tried to connect with me and it came off as like super welcoming. It was like, oh, like, hey, come like come hang out with us. All of this is in Spanish, by the way, which I don't speak fluently in and and I'm I'm standing there just like, what is happening? Like, uh, I don't I don't speak Spanish. Um, and and from that moment where I opened my mouth, like as simple as opening my mouth and talking, it was like a wall was built immediately of like, wait, something's different. She's not one of us. She looks like us, but she's not one of us. And so that created like a a cultural I don't know, hardship is the best way I can put it in the sense of I just felt like I couldn't be accepted. It was like having rejection all over again, but with people who are supposed to look like me and are, you know, none of them were Peruvian, but in my mind, I was like, ah, Latinas, let's stick together. And and yet it was like, ah, no, 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 Latinas, but not you. Um, And oh, that hurt. It hurt so much. So I was like, okay, I'm going to take a hard 180 and like not try to embrace anything like that because I'm not like you and I'm going to really embrace white culture and um, American culture and try to be as white as I could, honestly. Um, and that, I think that carried with me all the way through high school. And it, it I think some of it was conscious. A lot of it was not conscious. And that's sad. Like I wanted nothing to do with my culture unless it was cool. Unless I could be like, oh, I'm Peruvian, you know, in my Spanish classes and people be like, oh, really cool. If it wasn't that, it was like, ah, no, shh, just hide it. Like I'm just like everyone else, um, which also speaks to the the fear and the desire that some adoptees, not all, but many adoptees have of like, I want to belong. I want to be accepted. What happens if I'm not? So I did have the chance, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, how, how do you connect with your culture? Oh, you should go back to your country, visit the country you were from. And this is what happens all the time to international adoptees and honestly, domestic adoptees as well. Um, just go back to the place that you're from. And I bet it'll be, I don't know if people think it's supposed to be a fairy tale or what, but you'll get something from it. And I think it's a twofold statement. Yes, you might get something from it, but the thought of going back to the place that you're originally from can also be so overwhelming. And and for me, like I was lucky enough to go back to Peru. That was an intention my mom had of wanting us to have that opportunity, at least as a family, so we could go and appreciate the culture, learn some things, come home, go forward with it. And so I think I was in, oh gosh, ninth, 10th grade. I, I was still pretty young and we went to Peru and it it was good. I mean, I remember getting off the plane and getting out of the airport and just seeing people that look like me, but also being so overwhelmed in America. Like, I, I mean, from my experience, yes, there's um, chaotic 
driving, but not to the degree that we experienced when we were first in Peru. And I think that like even something as simple as that was like a cultural shock to me of like, oh my gosh, driving already gives me anxiety and we're here and there's no lines on the road and what is happening and uh, we're going so fast and we're swerving around people and okay, this is um, this is a lot. And yet it's all part of the culture. And so I think there were like moments of like, ah, this is too much. And yet there were moments of like, oh my goodness, finally. And I think I mentioned this in season one, like some of those were going into a store and I ended up buying like my homecoming dress um, from Peru. And that was really cool because I remember being like, oh, everything fits me really well. Like it's made for my body type as a woman where in, again, America, in the place I was raised, my body type was not necessarily what clothes were tailored to or that wasn't what the socially accepted form of beauty was at that time. And so I think that piece, I mean, it's something I still think about. It's something I'm still like, oh, this was great. Um, and it was something that I felt like my culture could have been different if I was surrounded about around something like that growing up or my view on my culture. But yeah, it was an experience. I mean, we did a lot of touristy Peruvian things, touristy things in Peru, not Peruvian things. And, and yet I think at that time, because I identified so much as an American, as honestly a Coloradoan, it made sense. And I, I wonder to this day, like, was it confusing to native Peruvians? Because again, I looked like them, but my clothes were very different. I was with a different group. I was doing touristy things. I didn't speak like them. I couldn't speak fluent Spanish. Um, just like the list that goes on and on that very much states like my culture is different than yours. Like my identity is different than yours. But I think at that point, I didn't feel like anybody was outcasting me, probably because we were doing touristy things. But yeah, it was a very interesting thing. And I think that was kind of like planting a seed for me to be like, hmm, maybe down the road, I want to continue doing something with my culture, but I'm not sure what. So yeah, as a young adult, my journey, again, I think that curiosity kind of came as I was trying to find my identity, figure out who I was. You have a lot of independence in America where, you know, you're 18, you go to college, you move out, you live on your own, etc. Um which is different from like Peruvian culture or Latina culture. And I think I could see that in some of like the Latina friends that I made in college and just noticing like family dynamics are so different. The culture in their home was different and yet they're American and I'm confused and I'm curious. And I would say like, you know, once you, it was almost like a bug bite. Like I kind of scratched it a little and then it just kept itching. And yeah, I was like, I don't know how to do this. Like <laughs> I'm trying to figure out who I am. Do I just go up 
to these Latina friends that I have and ask a list of questions, even though they're not actually Peruvians do, you know, nobody gave us a book of like how to understand your cultural identity as an adoptee. Like that was not a resource I had. So I just kind of like winged it. I think I, I probably look like a deer in headlights or in awe whenever I went to these friends' homes. And they were so, oh gosh, they were so kind. But it still was hard and it still felt messy, but I, I pursued it and continued. And now as a young woman who, you know, I'm married and eventually I want to have a family, knowing my Peruvian culture is so big to me. And I think you're going to hear a lot this season of um, adoptees who are parents and what does your cultural identity mean and how do you pass that on to your children? It's a a topic we kind of dabble on, which I'm excited for. But for me, I think it's this ongoing process similar to how I perceive my identity. Like, how does my Peruvian culture impact my everyday life? That's a question I wrestle with. And I think it's also needed to be said. It's not for me at least in the season I'm in right now, it's not something that I think about like once I open my eyes of like, oh my goodness, how do I implement my culture today? But I think there are seasons where I definitely hyper-focus on it and I want to learn more. And I really think that it's going to come in waves and those waves are going to look different. And I think that's the story for many adoptees. It's this ongoing journey where sometimes it's right in our face. Maybe it's a holiday. Maybe it's a tradition that we've picked up. Um, sometimes it's something we put in a box and we keep it in the attic and just store it for later. And and sometimes some of those experiences are really positive and are ones that we feel really connected to our birth culture. And other times it's going to be something where we feel almost estranged from it because it's so foreign to us because it's not what we were raised in. And so with that being said, in my story and, and other adoptees stories is okay. And it's our truth and it's our journey. And that's why I really want to focus on it this season is because there are so many ebbs and flows to how to engage, how to interact with our first culture, our birth culture, and it's going to look different for everyone. But I think hearing these stories from these transracial adoptees is going to be key for other transracial adoptees, one, to maybe feel connected and heard, um, but two, for non-adoptees to understand Oh, this isn't just a go visit this place. Oh, the quick fix isn't going to be the answer. Um, This is a journey. And whether people call it beautiful or messy or hard or a poop show, like it's it's someone's journey. And and I'm just really excited to share these stories with you. So, yeah, that's kind of the end of episode one. And. I'm just excited that you all are listening and thank you for taking the time to hear a little bit more about like my journey with my cultural identity and engaging with my first culture. Thank you for listening to this week's episode on the Adoptee Voyages podcast. To continue supporting this resource for transracial adoptees, 
please consider making a financial donation at adoptivevoyages.org. Stay connected by following Adoptive Voyages on Instagram and Facebook. And finally, join me next week for another Adoptive Voyages episode.